Welcome to Remotely Possible, a podcast about the people shaping the future of work. My name's Adam Riggs, and I'm the CEO of Framable, a software company that's improving distributed work for Microsoft Teams and Outlook users. We're always looking for leaders, technology innovators, and software partners who might be a good fit as a guest on the podcast. If you have a story to share about creating and maintaining a highly collaborative environment for either hybrid or fully remote teams, we'll share details at the end of each episode of this podcast so you'll know how to get in touch with us. And now, let's dive into our conversation about how real people are making the future of work more successful. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Remotely Possible podcast, where we talk to the people who are breathing new life into distributed work. And today, my guest is Travis Bogart. We're going to hear from him about the tools he uses, the processes that he embraces, and how he makes it possible to have a fully functional, highly creative, distributed team working hard together every day. Travis, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Awesome to have you. So. Let's start off by just asking you to take a moment to introduce yourself. Tell us about your background. You have a very interesting resume, Samsung, Uber, and your current role. We'd love to just get oriented and uh, and hear about your path up until now. Yeah, so um, I've kind of been fortunate enough to follow this sort of path from engineer into product um, and virtually every role uh, that exists in the company but between those. Um, uh, over the course of my career, and you know uh, what has been sort of the the tent poles a lot of that is I started out in communications. Um, I was at AOL, part of the founding team of AOL Instant Messenger, and so was very fascinated early on of how groups that are distributed from each other could communicate and interact. Um, uh, and you know, ultimately, that's actually how I got my first job. Is I you know was on. AOL and met people there and, uh, you know, uh, was living in Texas and got a job in uh, uh, Northern Virginia. And so this idea of being able to connect across distances and how technology could bring us closer together, I've been fascinated for a long time. Uh, I had a uh, a shift into the world of voice uh, for a while with uh, Tell Me Networks, a lot of the early stages of speech recognition and sort of that shift of talking to computers rather than just interacting with screens and and keyboards. And um, and then kind of moved into a lot of the hardware land with uh, Jawbone as you know we started to think mm-hmm. about hardware and wearable computing right on the body that would be that interface into to that next sort of computing uh, frontier. Um, and so, you know, over the course of my career, I've both uh, had the fortune of touching lots of technology, sort of playing around in, in this sort of communication space, uh, and then also had teams that that kind of lived and were structured in that way. Uh, my team prior to this, I built uh, was about 300 people across 14 time zones, so highly distributed, um, kind of a mixture of some office hubs. Uh, and then uh, people who actually uh, didn't sit in the office at all. Uh, and so that was uh, uh, one aspect of, of working in a distributed way. And of course, Uber was highly distributed, right? Is a, a company that, you know, of course had a, a San Francisco headquarters, but also had all these different um, city operations that were very integrated into the business. Uh, and, you know, it was really interesting seeing a business built at that scale uh, working in that way. And so, you know, our new company uh, that I founded, uh, founder and CEO of, 
Uh, we're building tools to help with uh, communication. Uh, a lot of those places where we feel the need to jump on a call, trying to help uh, um, make that a little easier, do that asynchronously. Um, and our team itself, uh, not a single person is in the same city. So we're, we're very distributed from the beginning as well. Fantastic. And how, how big is your current team now? And do you do you manage uh, your workflow in, in terms of like time zones? Do you have certain time zones that you that are time periods that you try to overlap in or just how do you manage some of the logistics of, of a team that's uh, that's that spread out with no office? Yeah, currently we're about 10, 11 people. Um, so you know, we're, we're a startup, so it's a, a nice size there. Um, and right now, most everyone is within about five hours time zone. So mm-hmm. one ahead of, of Eastern uh, to Pacific, with the exception of a, a person who is actually in um, Eastern Europe. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, But he tends to actually work more of our hours. So um, we have a, a stripe of time that we sort of try to focus on our, our synchronous moments, which is around uh, between you know 7.30 to 10 um, is kind of that sweet spot where we try to put most of our, our meetings um, that uh, where we want people to, to be together and be able to come together. Um, and then the rest of it is very uh, asynchronous. Um, and, you know, that's mm-hmm. one of our core principles is to be async first and really focus on that you know, important things and and maximizing the time we have together for what we actually need people together and then everything else is async. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, You know, when it comes to work in the 21st century, when it comes to sort of the modern, the modern flow of work, um, I know you have some opinions about uh, the word distributed work, uh, the the phrase distributed work versus remote work. Can you tell the listeners uh, about that important distinction? Yeah, so, you know, I, uh, having built these teams prior to COVID and sort of seeing how some of these dynamics played out, I I really started thinking about one of the things that's important when you lead teams is the terminology you use, how you uh, phrase and position things. And what I started to realize is at the core, that term remote implies that people are other, they're, they're, they're uh, on the outside yeah. and that a lot of the challenges with uh, teams uh, working together when they're not together is access to information at proximity often plays a big role. And, and you know, essentially that term remote, if you look it up in the dictionary, was uh, implying and directly stating that there's one group that is better than the other and, and more mm-hmm. core uh, to the business. And, and the way I you know, started to think about this is really more the way we think about uh, distributed, you know, the, that term distributed is really more of an equal playing field. It doesn't matter who is where, it's really everyone's on an equal playing field and they're collaborating together. And so I, I really lean into that term distributed um, because I, I, I don't believe that geography should play a role in the work people are doing. It's more the output and the, the function that they're trying to play um, and as they're you know, working together and collaborating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, my experience uh, echoes that, you know, and, and my understanding of the language and the meaning of these words also echoes that, you know, uh, we, we don't want anyone to feel like they don't have an important contribution to make. Uh, we also further, I think, want to recognize that like people in smaller offices that just happen not to be physically together, they are working in a distributed way, right? I mean, they they are distributed physically from one another, and um, and there's nothing 
we don't want to imply anything about who's more important, their contribution, et cetera. So I, I totally agree with you. and I, I love that distinction. Um, so uh, if you think about your your um, your day to day and your week to week managing your current team, small team, and then you think back to uh, the larger team that you described, like what are some of the principles or practices that uh, that you developed on that larger team, managing that larger team that are really serving you well now? even though it's a smaller team now, like tell us about your, you know, your personal quiver of best practices, uh, uh, things that you saw work on a very large team that that you now really rely on uh, to do your good work now. Yeah, so uh, a lot of it, uh, what I found the core making a distributed team work well is really, if you go look at any business book, what are the things that they say make for good management? You know, time and time again, I find that when I don't do those things, my team struggles. And when I do do them, all of a sudden, everything became a lot easier, became a lot more um, scaled. And so they're, they're simple things um, in, in the grand scheme of things. It's, it's things like, you know, what are your goals? Are they clearly written down? Are they clearly communicated? Do you repeat them often? Um, so that people uh, uh, can compare against that. Do you uh, take the individual decisions you're making and tie them back to those goals and and um, ladder them up so that people understand and, and are part of it? Um, a lot of it is around uh, encouraging communication. Um, and you know, part of that starts with documenting the co communication. And so a lot of times I start with uh, trying to sort of write down my thoughts and, and push it out. Um, and sometimes that's writing, sometimes that's a loom video, uh, you know, depending on what the format makes most sense in, in that moment. Sometimes it's, you know, our product is an asynchronous voice uh, uh, messaging platform. So we can mm -hmm. sometimes just communicate that way. So I really find the tool, but then it's a lot about preserving and having that in a, a, a state that can be referenced back again. Um, and so teams can, can kind of use that and go back to it. And a lot of it is also, I just find the need to uh, continue to be a people connector, right? That mm -hmm. I will have through whatever conversation I have with someone, if I realize that that conversation should be happening with another person, I often will try to connect those two people, or I'll take that one-on-one -on -one side conversation and bring it back into the group. And, you know, again, this is the same thing that falls apart in in-person environments, right? You might have a hallway conversation, you might have a smoke break in the you know, old mm -hmm. uh, uh, nomenclature or something over lunch, and, and often that is siloed off and you have to be deliberate of bringing that back for the broader uh, group that needs to be aware of it. And you know, when I do those things, I find that the team really scales and thrives much easier. And so a, a lot of that comes down to the great thing about digital tools is when the starting spot is actually documentation. The starting spot is actually having those things already done. And then it's about how do you push it out and how do you continue to reinforce it? Um, that's my mm -hmm. experience. Yeah, that that's um that's consistent with mine and and uh, and what I've heard from my colleagues as we move through our careers. Um, so, what would you? How would you advise people who are maybe working for a larger company and trying to you know take the lessons of the the COVID era of of remote? I mean, I think. Let me rephrase. Uh, you know, during COVID, we all developed you know uh, on a very sh short term. 
basis, like uh, with, with not much time to, to think carefully about it, we all developed a set of habits and uh, uh, a, a set of tools that we relied on and a set of habits for how to use them to get us through that period. So now it seems with the pandemic, you know, um, receding, we have an opportunity to revisit some of those uh, somewhat emergency basis uh, habits and and do something that's more thoughtful. So how how would you advise someone who 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 is thinking about that problem and who wants to design the best possible uh, distributed work culture and distributed work uh, playbook for their for their team and their company? Um, but they're still thinking back to to sort of the the difficult era uh, of COVID. Like, what are the things that you think um, you could say? What are the things you could say to them that that would help them sort of recognize the 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 opportunities now that are different from you know the emergency that we all that we all sort of went through? Yeah. So you know, I, I think one thing is. Uh, COVID wasn't distributed work. It's <laughs> mm. the one thing I tried to remind people about um, because distributed work often was about having outlets. You know, it wasn't, you know, all of your workforce away from each other as well as away from their friends and away from dinners and away from all of the other outlets that, that were there. And so, you know, I, I think we, we, we developed a set of tools during COVID and started learning how to use some of these digital tools. But the experience of, of distributed work from home was not real reality of what that can and should be. Um, and so I think that's, that's one aspect. And, and I'm also a strong believer that even if you have a purely distributed team, um, this team, we haven't done it yet, but um, in my previous teams, we've done a lot, which is we brought had moments where we kind of all came together into a physical location mm-hmm. for offsites and sort of prioritized that time um, to, to do team bonding and, and, and kind of regroup and, and form. So a lot of that wasn't happening in COVID. And so, that, you know, I would just say that's a different thing. What are the lessons and the practices I think carry over, regardless of if you decide you're going to be in office or you want to really lean into the distributed uh, team environment? I think a lot of it comes down to uh, really using those those tools as your documentation source. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I think if you start there, that is almost all uh, um, uh, everything sort of trickles from there. And so mm-hmm. what I mean by that is, you know, someone. The other day, they said, "How do I look up, uh, you know, something in analytics? How do I find this information?" And you know, the the simple way to do that, the in person way to do that, would be show them over my computer. Look, here's how to do it. The the mm-hmm. d- even digital world of doing that would be, "Hey, go here, here, and here." Um, the the distributed team environment is to say, "Hey, I think." this question is probably not just only this person. This person asked it, mm-hmm. but other people probably have the same question. And so yeah. I take that moment and I actually then just record a quick video. Here's how I find this. And I share it into some you know, common place. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a productivity hacks uh, you know, channel and I'll share mm-hmm. that out and say, here's how I find this information in our analytics. Now, all of a sudden that person has their answer, but anyone else mm-hmm. who comes along has that answer. And I, and I think when you find those types of problems, what's what's our next milestone? What's you know, uh, do I believe in the company and where's it going? What's the vision? I need an update on those. These are moments where as a leader that if you can take and create a broadcast mechanism to share that, 
you've got mm-hmm. documentation and you've gotten a broader set of people who now know about it. And, and that is true, even if a big portion of that group is sitting in the office together, mm-hmm. is taking those moments, coming back and doing that. And what that enables is you can then do that at different times of the day. You could do that at mm-hmm. night you know, when you know maybe the kids have gone to bed or mm-hmm. you, you know, you're freed up to do something. So really unbind, unbind you from being the need to kind of assemble everyone. And, and that means you can move things forward faster, right? Because mm-hmm. I can now take this question about where's the company going and immediately share it out to the or, the organization rather than waiting for a week from now when maybe people are not thinking that question anymore. Um, so it, it really allows us to move the pace of, of progress uh, forward faster too. Okay. I have a follow-up um, to that answer, uh, which is um, tell us about, um, tell us about your s- specific tool set uh, at Samsung, and also currently, what are the general purpose communications tools that you rely on at work? And then my that's and then my specific question um, upon uh, on top of that would be um, when you record these uh, these videos or these uh, these either audio notes or video notes where you're you're answering a question. Uh, I think I'm I'm interested in um, how you make those searchable. Do you also share a transcript, uh, and does that become part of the searchable record, or how are they organized? Because I, I love the idea of of uh, you know, loom and you know, voice notes and video notes that 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 explain something, especially if it's something more than one person will probably want to know. But I think discoverability is is always, uh, you know, the um, the challenge. Uh, otherwise, it just becomes maybe part of the back scroll and it's hard to to find. So tell us about the tools you use, and and also tell us about how you solve that particular uh, problem. Yeah. So on tool side, you know, there's communication, Um, you know, as as I mentioned, you know, we have our product called Carbon Voice, which is about uh, asynchronous voice messaging. So we use that obviously as part of our communication. Mm -hmm. We also um, use Slack uh, for a lot of our text-based communication. Uh, We use uh, for synchronous-based communication, uh, we use um, uh, Around and, and Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. and some huddles, uh, you know, and those are often like just quick jump in, have a discussion about something live, maybe pair programming, design review, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, on the um, uh, documentation side, a lot of our tool sets are also very collaborative in nature. So we use Figma, um, mm-hmm. you know, s- similar tools in, um, you know, like Jira and things like that on the mm-hmm. development mm-hmm. side. Um, and then on, uh, and then, you know, for that kind of mixed between the two, we use Loom a lot for, uh, you know, if there's a broadcast video, uh, a lot of times, you know, if it's a broadcast message, we kind of bias a little bit more towards voice. Um, so we don't get lost in sort of the video production need and, and, you know, often can do that a little bit more on the go if it's not video. Um, okay. but if it's, if it's wanting to talk through a screens and things like that, we, you know, we'll use Loom and sort of use that as a way to kind of show what we're talking about and talk through a presentation mm-hmm. or a design, et cetera. Um, and then of course we use Google Docs and Notion, um, also for okay. collaborative documentation. Um, and then to your question of how do we make it findable, uh, you know, my belief in communication is uh, until you've said it probably 10, 15 times, it's not been heard. Um, and uh, so a lot of it is 
uh, you know, I post it out. I try to create some common uh, um, structure. I, I rely a lot on hyperlinks to kind of web mm-hmm. everything together uh, where mm-hmm. I believe it is. So you know, I think there's kind of combination of two things that, that we do there. One is um, we use Notion to try to create some structure around like, you know, these are onboarding questions. These are engineering questions. These are product questions. So there's a little okay. bit of structure. And so we create some landing spots to put those videos and to kind of repost them, uh, uh, the links to them. Um, and so, you know, we try to remember to, to do that. And, you know, that's a lot of what I have found, uh, even though it's a little extra work that, that when I do that, it becomes a lot easier uh, in the future, makes it easier for me to find it. And then mm-hmm. when the issue comes up again, which it inevitably does, even though I posted it out in Slack and said, here's yeah. the thing, um, yeah. I can point back to where we posted it. And so now now you've got people going in there and, and what typically will happen is they'll go in there and then I see them watch another video along with it, right? So mm-hmm. some of that other content, it starts to build that awareness of this is where these questions exist and in, in, um, live. Um, and then, you know, as you said, most of these tools now uh, also, uh, you know, have transcriptions, have a little easier ways to sort of see into that content. And so that, mm-hmm. you know, search has become easier with it. Um, but mm-hmm. even without that, we try to make our own index uh, that kind of points to stuff. Okay. So, so I just want to repeat back to make sure I understand. So like within Notion, you would have a, you would have a sort of a a digest or like an overview and you will link the specific videos or assets that you've made that are, that are helpful. Uh, Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Um, But uh, there isn't um, a transcript that is searchable from inside Notion necessarily for those videos. Right. Yeah. So that would be okay. whatever okay. metadata, like, you know, yeah. description we put in there and, and have yeah. that there. Um, okay. You know, in, in Loom does have a transcription, so you can go in there. And so, you know, what we often do, too, is like we'll take uh, all of our demo sessions we record mm-hmm. uh, as a team mm-hmm. and then we put into Loom. And then we also put that into a directory in Loom, which mm-hmm. is our demo day um, one. Okay. We'll put that there. And uh, we also then cross post that into Slack, into our demos channel. So, you know, uh-huh. the, you kind of end up with that information being there in, in a few different paths to get to it. Got it. Got it. Um, okay. Well, in our last few minutes, Travis, can you can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about Carbon Voice and about how it fits into to the process that you just described? Like, um, what's your vision for for the problem that it solves and uh, and uh, how it how it uh, contributes to sort of a, a better 21st century work environment. Yeah, so um, we have uh, these endless moments where uh, text breaks down on us um, that we all experience, right? We're going back and forth in Slack or in a Google Doc, whatever it might be. And then these magic words come out, let's jump on the phone or let's jump into a meeting and talk about it. Um, and you know, when you look at the data, on average, people spend three to five hours in these things we call meetings or on phone calls. And you know, we kind of go from this world that was very asynchronous, allowed us to find information, allowed us to easily bring people in into a world that is now, you know, basically goes back 120 years to the invention of the phone. It's the same, right? The same format. We all have to be there at the same time. 
And then we start to play phone tag. We start to drop people out of the conversation because we can't get them at that moment. Um, or we push out the time of which we start that conversation because we're waiting for it to be scheduled, uh, which mm -hmm. often takes you know four or five days to, to get to that moment. And so we're going after that problem, those conversations that really need voice that make us say, let's talk about it uh, because, you know, the idea is not well formed. There's a lot of nuance to it. There's you know mm -hmm. just a, a reason we need to talk about it. Um, but we bring asynchronous structure to that. So we allow you to start having that conversation. People can react whenever they want to. Um, and so it all starts to come together. Um, and, and this is a pattern we see playing out already. Um, you know, if you look at WhatsApp and a lot of products like that, in many parts of the world, voice memos have actually overtaken text messages yeah. by volume. And so yep. we see the pattern of people talking. Um, but what has been missing is the structure, especially for a lot of work-based conversations where there's often multi uh, many different conversation threads going on at one time because of the mm -hmm. nature of work. Um, there's you know, privacy and security and who has access to this information and a whole bunch of other problems that have to be solved. And, and so yep. you know, essentially what Carbon Voice is doing is putting a rich structure to conversation, voice asynchronous voice conversation um, around topics and, and you know, providing even like you know, meeting flows. So uh, I might say, instead of creating a meeting, I can create an asynchronous meeting in Carbon Voice that lets me say, when is that meeting needed? Uh, when do I need my answer by? Who needs to be part mm -hmm. of it? What's it about? And then I just start talking. And uh, at the end of that, you know, or throughout it, we prod people along and say, hey, you need to engage in this uh, uh -huh. or Travis will have to set up a meeting. Um, and yep. then afterwards we create artifacts like AI summaries, action items, things like that. So, you know, we, we allowed these conversations to happen uh, sooner. And what, what I find is, you know, I'll have meetings that there's no way I would have gotten scheduled. Let's say it's a Friday afternoon. There's no way I could get everyone on the call right then. I would not have been able to, it would have been about Wednesday when I looked at the calendar before I could put it on calendar. Um, yet I start the conversation in, in our system and all of a sudden I have the answer by the end of day Friday. And so, mm -hmm. you know, this whole conversation's moved along partly because everyone just did it at the end of their day or in these like small moments that they had between things rather right. than this moment where we could all get together at the same time. And so anyway, that's that's what we're focused on with Carbon Voice is really, you know, trying to free free people's time up um, and help them have conversation rich dialogue without the need to to kind of get synchronous in discussion. Mm -hmm. Yep, that that sounds really interesting. So uh, uh, it's sort of like structured and sounds like maybe threaded in a way. I, is that a fair word? Like structured, yeah. including threaded uh, audio note. Uh, environment where you can start a conversation, uh, people, you can indicate who needs to respond and maybe not necessarily in a certain order, but just like you want to hear from a certain number of people. These are the people you want to hear from. And then uh, over time, hopefully not a long time, uh, people uh, participate in that part of the conversation. And then there's a sort of a synthesis, or at least there's an opportunity for, for synthesis of the inputs. That That's exactly right. And uh, a heavy bias from a UI and experience perspective to enable on the go. So a lot of what we mm -hmm. find is 
people who um, are out on the go, which is the reality of distributed teams because of mm-hmm. geography, timing, or even you know like an outside sales force, things like this, mm-hmm. um, that by, by the nature of the work have to be that. How do, you know, we've really focused on how to make it really easy to do that stuff when out and about. And you know, I, I might be in line to pick up my kids at school and I can be having conversations with the team in a situation I never would have been able to do a, a phone call um, mm-hmm. or meeting. And so it really allows you to make use of a lot of those moments that otherwise you couldn't have worked. Yeah, absolutely. And I, what I love about this idea is actually, um, and this isn't a, a criticism at all, This is, I think this is a good thing for you in the medium term, is that people can experiment with this idea of the power of uh, voice notes and uh, and sort of asynchronous voice meetings even if they're not using carbon voice, like th- they can try it just to get a taste of, of the productivity and the freedom of it uh, just by, you know, just within their Microsoft environment or within their uh, uh, Slack environment, just record something instead of typing something and, uh, and and see if that moves things along. So I think that's that's a powerful idea that I, I definitely see um can be a part of uh, of an improvement. So, well, Travis, it's been great to talk to you and learn a little bit more about your hacks and your and your um, and your background. I encourage people to check out Carbon Voice. Is it ready now for uh, for people to play with, or is it going to be released uh, soon? Uh, yeah, people can start to use it. Uh, you can Excellent. just go to cv.chat and you can create an async meeting there. Um, don't need to have an app or anything. We, of course, do have apps, but um, you can just do that right from the website, cv.chat. Super, super. Well, thank you very much for your time and uh, look forward to checking back in with you uh, in the future. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Travis. Bye-bye. I'm your host, Adam Riggs, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Remotely Possible, the podcast about distributed work and the people who make it possible. Remotely Possible is sponsored by Frameable, a software company with a mission of making virtual collaboration feel as easy as turning around and talking to each other. Learn more at frameable.com. To become a guest on an upcoming edition of Remotely Possible, head over to frameable.com podcast and introduce yourself. If you know someone who'd be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show and include the hashtag remotely possible. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it on your social networks and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Your likes, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and to our team. Want to know how Frameable Spaces helps Microsoft Teams and Outlook users collaborate more effectively? Visit our website, frameable.com, or follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.